You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State. Welcome, everybody. I hope uh, now that the holiday season has started, I hope it's going well for you. I hope people are keeping their Christmas parties and um, and that this will be a joyous holiday season. Um, it's always interesting, uh, Lex, I grew up in the industry and for my dad's particular restaurant, it was always Thanksgiving through New Year's Day that we, we made all our money and then we survived January, February, March. And then I've learned, well, that was our situation and other people, you know, they're, 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 their busy season wasn't necessarily Christmas. For your old pizza restaurant, what was the holiday season like for you? Was it the season where you brought it in or the season where you, you got through until the Super Bowl started? Well, for uh, the pizza restaurants, it was, it was a good season. We always did things like Toys for Tots and a lot of those things. So uh, and there were a lot of holidays, so a lot of promotions that went, uh, went on. However, uh, our sales kind of were a little bit more evened out throughout the year. It wasn't as dependent on this time of the year as maybe a full-service restaurant like your, your family had. Yeah. Well, and, and if you look at the overall state numbers, it's a really good season for the industry, uh, but it wasn't as dominant as it is was for like my family as it is for, for the whole. Um, well, uh, I, I did love the season. I was also the only kid on my block who never wanted snow in December. I was like, please don't let it snow until January 2nd, right? Because that wiped out all our Christmas parties. So um, hopefully uh, for the industry's sake, we don't get any snow until January 2nd. So all those Christmas parties, um, people can come and enjoy and things can go well. I'd love to hear from some of the callers later on um, how things are going, just to get a broad perspective. Give a couple of updates on things that uh, happened in the past month. Um, given that I always feel like the Grim Reaper and I'm bringing bad news, uh, let me bring some good news. Um, one of the biggest things, uh, elections that we were keeping in our eye and we were very, very involved in and leading on uh, was up in the city of Bellingham, um, Initiative 4, which would have uh, mandated uh, predictive scheduling, restrictive scheduling for all employers, and also a $4 an hour hazard pay uh, anytime there was a declaration of emergency in the, in the county area. So it could be like there's a pandemic, or there's a forest fire, or there's a flood in one area of town. Anytime those would occur, Boom! Everybody's wages in the in the area would have gone up four dollars an hour. Um, that thing started out really popular, and we did a lot of education up there, and it went down in a major way. So, even if you weren't at risk in in Bellingham itself, this is a major win because the amount it lost by, um, I think, is going to be helpful in, in preventing this idea from going much further. Um, we're going to continue to work with Bellingham to see where their follow ups and, and things go from there. Um, also, of course, King County uh, went into effect and the King County uh, uh, customer mandate. Uh, so far, we've been tracking the data. Um, it's early yet. We're going to get another two weeks of data here at the end of this week. The first two weeks after um, was interesting because um, it did show that compared to Pierce County, um, King County restaurants um, were down. Um, and, uh, 
but not universally. So it's interesting to look at the data and, and, and to see that some restaurants actually were up um, and some about two to one um, restaurants were down in King County. Where in Pearson, Snohomish is kind of call, call it the placebo counties. Um, it was about a third equal across the board. Some restaurants were up 15, 20%, some restaurants were down 50. We're gonna to continue to watch that and continue to learn about how that's going. Um, continue to try to urge the public to remind them that it wasn't the servers or the bartender's fault that this went into place and to show grace. Uh, but we are keeping our eye on, on how King County is going. Um, a couple things coming up for the month. Lexi, you and membership put together a pretty cool ERTC program for those who didn't uh, hadn't done ERTC yet. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, we uh, are we are working with uh, Adesso, who um, is basically ERTC. We'll start with the beginning. Uh, ERTC stands for Employee Retention Tax Credit, or some people just call it ERC. And it's uh, originally included in the um, CARES Act to provide tax credit for employers uh, uh, who qualified for wages to employees during the pandemic. And so the qualification is typically uh, 100 W-2 employees um, uh, or uh, for the 2020 year tax year or up to 500 employees uh, for the 2021 tax year. And basically this comes down to about $26,000 in tax credits you can get per employee that this, it's kind of like a grant, right? But it's a tax credit, so you don't have to pay it back. Um, so for now, we don't have the PPP. We don't have a lot of these other things. The ERTC is still in place. So we've been able to get a lot of members uh, signed up for this. And uh, we will include a link for this. It's uh, wha.fyi slash ERTC. Um, and then we'll include this. And this will take you to the um, page where you could uh, submit for more information. But so far... We've gotten um, uh, more than $5,777,000 for our members using this program. We've had uh, more than 50 owners uh, and members at, and 71 total locations uh, that has generated that. So uh, we've got a lot more members than that. So this is something if you're a, a member and you're looking at uh, trying to get some uh, funding, uh, this is a great avenue to look at. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's really been a strong program and a good partnership and um, if you haven't an ERTC yet, um, a lot of operators didn't even think they were eligible until we encouraged them to, to look at it and they found out they were. Uh, please click on that link and, and find out. I hate for you to walk away from a, a check maybe slightly larger than your retro check. Um, which, speaking of retro check, it is almost a season. Um, we, uh, we are going to be mailing out retro checks here before Christmas. And uh, we'll be mailing out about $8.6 million. Um, and uh, we're excited to do that. So among other things, make sure you don't throw that envelope away <laughs> when it comes. It's amazing, Lex, every year we have a couple operators that uh, didn't realize they threw away a $10,000 or $20,000 retro check in their mail. So when you get that, um, <laughs> please make sure you mark it, set it aside. We want you to have the money. <laughs> so uh, it'll be a good thing. Um, it's an interesting year because injuries actually relatively were, um, were down, but because our, uh, our overall employment, uh, was so far down, uh, uh, the check wasn't, it won't be as big as it some has, sometimes has been. Um, but, uh, still 8.6 million ain't bad. And, uh, it'll be a good check coming out. 
Um, the other thing that's we're in the, the mood of passing out money. Uh, I want to thank our Seattle team. There was an anonymous donor who donated um, almost $3 million to support minority businesses in Seattle. And our Seattle team helps recruit all the, the um, Asian owned businesses that the grant was specified for. And I think over 290 people will uh, uh, businesses in the Seattle area will also receive a grant. So um, a lot of good stuff and trying to get people as much financial help as we can. Well, outside of that stuff, let's talk about um, the state of the virus, which really is kind of what we want to talk about today. Um, for those of you who went around, went away for Thanksgiving and then have come back to uh, say, okay, where are we at? Like holding your breath and a little bit fearful. Um, I think there's some relatively good news on the virus front. And I'm sharing my screen only so I can... Uh, keep my thoughts intact, but for those who are driving and reading this, don't worry, you'll, you'll be hearing me talk about it. Lisa, can you see a, uh, um, a, a graph? Yes. Okay. Um, and it's a graph of the 14-day COVID cases? Yes. Okay. So COVID cases, the 14-day average trend continues to fall. It's down to 280 cases over a 14-day window per 100,000. That's really good news. Um, there was a period right before Thanksgiving where it started to flatten out and, and slightly increase, and there was a worry that right before the holiday season that could take off again. Um, but then it did drop this past week and a half, 10 days. So we're still a long ways away from our low points um, that we saw in the beginning of July, which was 65. There really isn't a goal on this one. Um, the last publicly stated goal by the governor was 50, but that was a long time ago. And I can't, I think they'd probably slap me around if I said that was the current goal. But um, the fact that it is dropping um, and it appears to continue to be dropping is great news. Um, we had the, if you didn't listen to last month's podcast, the head of the hospital association was on and she really gave us great insight on where they were at. And, and to me, I think the hospital trend is the bigger issue. Um, and the reason of that is it impacts those who are not who are vaccinated. Um, so if the hospitals are full and you can't get your cancer treatment or your daughter's got a broken leg or something else and they can't get treatment, then all of a sudden you really want to activate and do something proactive on, on, uh, on COVID. So at what point are the hospitals not impacted? Um, Cassie uh, said, the head of the hospital, the hospital association said, their goal is to get around five. Well, look at that, uh, Mark. We really dropped off hard in the past week. We've dropped all the way down to 6.7. So as long as Thanksgiving numbers in the next 10 days come out okay and the holiday numbers don't start spiking, it's feasible that we could hit their goal, the hospital association's goal, which is to be around five um, in a seven-day window, which um, they feel would start freeing up ho uh, hospital staff, would start being relief, and is a manageable workload. Um, so those are things I think are positive. So as much as I always come on here, not always, but I've, in the past two years, as said the negative, um, there are some positive things there. 
that being said, um, with every spring comes sun and showers. Uh, Omicron, it's Omicron, by the way, as being a Greek, not Omnicron for those who like the Autobots. Um, <laughs> I've been hearing some of the media people say, say Omicron, it's driving me nuts. I'm like, that is not what my yaya taught me. Omicron uh, virus uh, has been out there. I would not overreact or underreact. I think the reality is it should be on our radar. Um, in talking with the different folks in the past week, we now know what's out there, but there's still a whole lot we don't know. Um, and I did think that, I don't always agree with Dr. Fauci, but I thought his comments were accurate, that we should watch it, but there's no need to panic. And it's just a good thing to be aware of. So Omicron could um, change these numbers, but they also, uh, could not. So we're, we're really, it's just a thing to be aware of, but there's no real news, no real um, re need for over-concern at this point. I think the other thing we want to watch is the holiday season. If I were to happen to go back to that chart, this is about the time last year, the governor had already closed us down for a week. The cases shot up um, and, and the holiday season really skyrocketed. So we do want to make sure we, we encourage all our guests to be healthy and safe because we do not want to go backwards. Um, and the trend isn't going that way, but we want the next two, three weeks to make sure we don't build from an already high level. So that's probably what we know on the virus. Um, Lex, before I go into the uh, uh, state of the, the vaccine mandates and the employee mandates, uh, did I share anything there where I went too fast? On the no, I think that, was, I think that was a good pace. You got, you got, you got all the big points. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about vaccine mandates. So what we know at this point is there is December 10th is the next big date. December 10th is when the consolidated cases will be heard um, at the 5th District Court. And uh, we're expecting a, a ruling shortly after that. And so um, if I were you, if, if I still had restaurants and I was more, had more than 100 employees, I would plan on this going into effect uh, because um, the time frame that will be allowed if ultimately Biden's administration prevails will be really narrow. I'm also anticipating, um, and this is anticipation, not knowledge, um, that uh, Governor Inslee will institute the Biden um, mandate and maybe have a different set of uh, court precedences and opportunity than the president. So if I am an operator and I'm in that 100 plus category, I'm probably gonna say, I'm gonna operate as if this is gonna happen. I'm gonna warn my employees that this is gonna happen. And if it doesn't, that'll be a relief, but that's better than jamming it in an impossible timeframe um, uh, to try to get done by June or January 4th and, and 5th. So um, again, the key dates, uh, December 10th is the, is the court case, uh, January 4th, employees, if the Biden administration's rule uh, stands, uh, will have to, employees will have to be fully vaccinated 
and January 5th, those who are not vaccinated will have to come in and get tested moving forward. So a lot to unpack there. I don't want to really get into all the legalities of, um, of that. We've did a whole podcast on legalities. And Lisa, did I see you just posted something in the, uh, in the chat? I did. I did this. Catherine Morissette, uh, she's an employment lawyer who is a part of our advisory network. She did she's was great. gracious enough to give to uh, give us a webinar last week about this topic. And we understand that you know it's the holidays and it was the day before Thanksgiving, so everybody was busy. So we did record it, and it is up on our members only website. And there's a link in the chat. So. Um... Please listen to that, um, and uh, and we'll get that out there. And as we know more, Lex, right? Your your job, you're our newsman. You're our Edward R. Murrow, yeah. right? So you uh, you will be getting that news out as soon as it breaks uh, yeah. when we know more. Yeah, and not just the news. We're gonna uh, we often follow up with uh, a webinar or more detailed uh, information to show members how it affects them individually uh, directly. So. Um, with that, um, our goal is to try to get this done in like 20 to 30 minutes, which I think we're doing to do well today, and then really be available for questions. Uh, feel free to grill at me, yell at me, um, ask me where I think some of these things are going or other topics we haven't brought up. So Lisa, I see there's a handful of questions there. Yeah. Um, do you wanna, I'm going to leave it to you. Some of you are trying to text me. Please don't text me because I'm trying not to read it. I'm trying to pay attention to the podcast. Put the questions in the uh, in the chat. Lisa, go ahead. Yeah, first one's from Catherine. She wants to know how the vaccine mandates work with HIPAA laws, and are we at risk of violating them? Um, I'm sure that question was asked in uh, Catherine's um, legal debate, and there's always things you should do to protect yourself. But in general, um, I think we're okay. Um, a lot to be determined, but. Uh, in general, that was one of the early uh, concerns, um, but as long as we're not, um, Catherine will give you all the details in there, but as a general rule of thumb, we're okay. And then the next one was curious to know if our copies of vaccine records and, ex and Excel spreadsheets are acceptable for record keeping. Yes. Catherine can walk again through the details. Um, and again, I'd encourage you I'm going to try to stay out of the legal side. We haven't seen the court case come out. There'll be some other things. Um, I'm going to give you broad answers and encourage you to listen to Catherine's podcast for, for the, the heavier details. Yeah, we have one from Jason. Do you think they will look at separate legal entities when determining employee headcount or a collective based on common ownership? Um, the, the, the latter. Um, so it's... Uh, it's much the way the same of the other rulings have been if, if you're connected. Um, so if you are, um, if you have predominantly common ownership, you're probably going to be one. Um, but if you're invested in an art museum or I don't know, I'm trying to make something up. If you're invested in something else and it's, it's less than 15% common ownership, I'm not concerned. Uh, but if you, you're dominantly the same ownership. It, it's the same way the other tax umbrellas are looked at. And here we have a question from Mike. One of the biggest challenges for quick service restaurants is the high number of minors whose parents won't allow them to be vaccinated. Are there any options or leads available to order test kits 
um, he's got 250 employees and needing to order in bulk. Um, great question. Um, Lex, help me think through this one for a second. Um, I know that a lot of these testing sites are run by private companies. Um, and uh, in fact, one of our former uh, chairs of the association, Brett Stewart, has actually invested in a couple of the testing sites and operating them. So if you have a testing site near your locations, you might just want to travel down and talk to the manager there, find out who's leading that, and find out if there's a cooperative effort you can do there or how that might work. That being said, Lex, are you aware of any um, group buying of testing kits or other things? Well, I, I think you mentioned a really good potential resource is one of our former board members, Brett. I can reach out, we can reach out to him and follow up and see if he might be able to um, help Mike out and others who uh, are in a similar situation. Yeah. As a follow-up, uh, he says sending employees to get tested weekly is, is a little unrealistic when they're, uh, it's iffy whether or not they'll show up anyways. Um, so he's hoping to do this in-house. Um, I'm not aware of anything, but I'll tell you what, um, let's, let's uh, mark Mike's point down and let's have our biz dev team um, see if we can't put together something uh, for that. And let's, let's, if we can find a resource, Mike, we will. Hi, by the way, Mike, it's been too long. It's good to see your name there. Um, Christopher says that Fikes, I'm not, I'm not familiar with Fikes, but I'm on the east side. Uh, they offer bulk, te bulk test kits. Those oh, out there. Okay. All right. And those are all the questions we have for now, unless somebody else has another one. I, I do think it's it's interesting news um, in that the governor in his press conference did indicate he's going to follow the Biden administration at this point. Um, and uh, early on, there was a lot of questions on whether he would lower the number from 100 to 50 on on. Uh, um, I thought in some of the earlier press conferences, he made it pretty clear he wasn't a big fan of uh, the testing out option, uh, but he has indicated since then uh, that he is going to follow the Biden administration and allow for testing out and, um, and uh, not uh, looking at lowering the number at this time. So I think those were interesting pieces of news. Um, I think some of the interesting, the other interesting pieces of news is there's a lot of studies going on right now on um, what the impact of those who've had a serious version of the virus and gotten through it, um, what are their antibodies like and how long do they last and how does that compare to being vaccinated? I don't know how that's gonna play out, but a lot of those studies are gonna be coming up in the next six weeks. Um, and I think we're gonna be learning more about that as well. Hopefully that means these cases keep dropping. Um, and. Uh, Lex, it probably would be a good idea in our mid-December newsletter um, just to give an update on where cases are at, something that's kind of easy to follow and track because uh, as long as cases keep dropping, the threat of additional regulation is going to keep dropping. Um, and one of the things that when we hit that numbers that get below some of these targets, we want to start talking about where masks are at and um, with, in high vaccinated areas or other areas um, what's the long-term play on masks? Um, but we got to see the numbers keep dropping. Did any other questions come in, Lisa? Yes, we have one from Glenda. 
rural areas are not going to be able to provide testing, nor can they afford to be able to provide it. How are businesses planning to administrate it? Payroll deduction or cash, pay cash payments? I'm not, let me see if I can read the question. I'm not fully following it. Well, you don't have to provide the test, but if you have to provide it op operationally because your employees aren't getting it and or it's a burden for hire, um, then I think that's a different question, which I think is what Mike was saying is if, if he made his employees just go get it, they're just not gonna show up for work. Um, but to be clear, the, the burden of cost, strictly speaking, is on, is on the employee and it's the option of the employer. Um, so Glenda, I would, again, I would try to work with, if there is a testing site in your area, um, let's also mark down, um, Glenda's name, uh, mm -hmm. to have BizDev follow up with, if there's anything we can do there. Um, as we're talking about employees, um, this is gonna, if you didn't hear my podcast from last month, um, this is going to continue for a while. Uh, there are no, we're at, we're at a almost record low number of people on unemployment. So there are no more, more people on unemployment. Um, I'm actually meeting with some employment experts later this week to dive into it, but the workforce that you've got is the workforce that you've got. And so I think to the degree that, um, you have time over the holidays to be really strategic on how am I going to move forward? What's my workforce going to look like? Um, what kind of hours am I going to have? Um, I'm projecting we're going to be in this for a couple of years now, unless there's another big dynamic change. Um, so I'm really encouraging operators to, um, how do I operate? How do I recruit? How do I attract? How do I function differently? Speaking of other podcasts, um, our Northwest Hospitality Leadership Podcast is uh, now going and our second episode is up, correct, Lisa? It is up, correct. Um, this one is on finding the ideal team players. Um, the next one, which will be up in a, a week and a half, is going to be on motive um, and when you find great people and do they really want to be the boss or the leader or the manager? Do they really want to go to that next step? And so, uh, we're going to be putting these out once a month. Uh, these are our partnerships with the Table Group, which wrote just a terrific series of leadership books, and a couple of operators. So the operators on the upcoming one are Steve Hooper with uh, Ethan Stoll Restaurants and uh, uh, Jenny uh, uh, Grossclaude uh, with Columbia Hospitality. And so uh, they really did. Like, I found a nice job. I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully... Um, having another leadership tool for your young leaders or even us old ones to learn and get better and lead in a, in a modern world. With that, Lisa, we're approaching 1030, which is our goal to end by. Is there any last questions? No. Everybody have a great holiday. I hope the lines are around the parking lot to get into your places. I hope the, the Christmas parties start coming in as these cases, cases keep dropping. Um, I hope people book rooms for the holidays and and uh, we'll start this new year's off well. Um, let's think good thoughts and we'll deal with the rest. Everyone have a good one. It's an honor to serve you. 
Thanks for listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, wahospitality.org, where you can learn more about the restaurant and lodging industries and the Washington Hospitality Association. Be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or iHeartRadio so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for that effort. Until next time.